Good morning. Uh, we continue our series on the Gospel of John by picking up the discourse that took place following the Last Supper. Uh, this is something which began in chapter 13 and continues to the end of chapter 17. Now, these precious chapters record the teaching of Jesus in those last hours before he is betrayed, that short amount of time before he is taken away to be crucified. And so he tries to prepare his disciples. He teaches them what they need to know before he is taken. Now, key to everything uh, is explaining to the disciples who he is. Uh, he then, from there, can show them who they are meant to be. Uh, in the last chapter, we saw him declare that he was the way, the truth and the life. And it was only with that foundation that he could then go on and assure them that their future was secure, that he would go ahead and prepare a place for them. In this chapter, he tells them that he is the true vine. Uh, his being the vine is very much the theme of the passage, yet it is only after establishing this that Jesus is able to explain the significance of his being the vine to those who would be his branches. So it'll be no surprise to you that this morning uh, these are the two things that we're going to look, look at in that order. So the true vine. Uh, we see the opening verse sets up the rest of the chapter uh, when Jesus declares in verse 1, I am the true vine. Now, since you hear these words, I am the true vine, then it should raise a question in our minds. If he is the true vine, then what is the false vine, we should ask? That is, what is the one that is not true to being a vine? Well, when Jesus reveals this about himself, he's not just simply using a, a nice image plucked from you know, the air. This is a clear Old Testament reference that means he's actually joining up the dots in the minds of his hearers. Uh, they already knew what he was talking about, and so it made a lot of sense. You see, he's referring to a very well-known theme, and it is loaded with significance for understanding who Jesus is. Now, there are actually a lot of Old Testament references uh, to uh, vines and fruit bearing and the role of God in it all. Uh, however, when it comes to the true vine, there is a key passage in Isaiah that helps us understand what Jesus is meaning. Now, Isaiah has a lot of songs in it, and one of them is found in Isaiah chapter 5, uh, the Song of the Vineyard. Uh, of particular relevance to us this morning are verses 1 to 7, which goes like this. Uh, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. Uh, so uh, that is uh, God's vineyard. Uh, my beloved, God, uh, had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. In other words, the land was needing attention. It needed clearing. And so he did this. And then he plants the best vines. And the, the reason it's in the plural here. It's because we're supposed to envisage 12 vines uh, with the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And he built a watchtower in the midst of it so that it's cared for. And he hews out a wine vat in it. So now there's a, an expectation that it will provide fruit and uh, the best of fruit and, and then the finest of wines. And he looked to it to yield grapes, as should be expected from the best vines uh, in the best land. But he yielded wild grapes. 
And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled upon. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hold, and the briars and thorns will grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of Yahweh of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And that literally means uh, people crying out to God in great distress. In Isaiah 5, uh, the vine is Israel, the, the people of Judah, uh, of whom Isaiah is speaking to. Uh, uh, they are the branches. Um, the fruit that God looks for uh, from these people is justice and righteousness. Uh, that is, acting as people who are increasingly representative of God, re- resembling him in what they do, in how they act. Uh, they were the people who were supposed to bring light into the darkness And so they were supposed to have a right relationship with God. They were supposed to have a right relationship with each other. They were supposed to be right when it came to relating to the world. They were to love the Lord their God with all of their hearts. They were to let him change them so they could love each other. And to then see that life-changing power of God to be demonstrated to the world. So that those who did not know God would see the evidence of the Almighty. That the people of God were to be this undeniable witness as to what he can do. And so draw others to him. Righteousness should have grown from them. Like that vine in good soil. God had done everything for them. No one could have done any more than what he had done. And instead of good fruit, they yielded injustice and unrighteousness. Which means that the false vine here in Isaiah 5 is Israel. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, in John 15, he is saying, I am the true Israel. When we read it, we're to recognise that everything that Israel was supposed to be, in terms of a vine, Jesus is. Uh, and this is, a, again, this, this common theme in the book of Isaiah, uh, that the people had really failed to be what they were made to be, what they were called to be, uh, but that there would be a perfect one who would live up to that calling. Uh, we can see it um, when Israel's described as, as a servant that had failed. Um, and so in Isaiah 42 and, and in chapters surrounding that, we're told about the greatest servant, the servant of servants, uh, that he is to come. Uh, All of the servant songs in Isaiah show that Israel as a servant had failed. They'd played God false and that the people could only ever be redeemed when the perfect servant came and truly served. And so we come to John 15. We see that Jesus is the true vine. He is the true servant. He is Everything that Israel was meant to be. He is the light in the darkness. The one that would establish right relations with God. Enable us to have right relations with each other. And then commands us to go out into the world. And tell them. This is what is going on. When he says that he is the true vine. Now Israel was to bear fruit. 
And they weren't supposed to just bear fruit for themselves. They were to bear fruit among the nations. As the light of God in the darkness of the world, the people of God were supposed to be this, this blessing to the nations. To, to keep the, 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 the vine analogy with the fruit, they were to drop into the nations the, the clusters of the very best fruit. The very best examples of justice and righteousness to make the world a better place and to show the world who God is. So that the world might taste these beautiful grapes and say, wow, God must be wonderful if this is what he produces when he is in your midst. So let us come and worship him too. That was the purpose of the fruit. And Israel got it wrong. They rejected God, despite all the blessings uh, described here as being planted in the best ground and protected and cared for. Uh, you know, they had everything that could be needed for the fruit to grow. But they turned their backs on him. They wouldn't have him. And so from the best vine came all the stuff you would see everywhere else. There was no difference. It was the same injustice, the same unrighteousness, the same cries of distress, the same bloodshed as you could see in every other nation. So what a relief it is to hear those precious words in John 15. I am the true vine. Abide in me. Though in the past you have produced rotten fruit, now in me you can grow good fruit. In Jesus we become the bearers of justice and righteousness. In Jesus we can have the lives that reflect God to the nations. This is the importance of that opening verse in John 15, with Christ as the true vine. And from there, the role of the Father is described. Verse 1 continues, my Father is the vine dresser. And then verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. So every branch that bears fruit, that's the, the healthy branches, the good branches, uh, they will be pruned. Uh, or in the Greek, uh, the Greek term there, um, kathario, uh, it's usually translated as cleaned, so pruned or cleaned. Um, now at this point, it's important that we actually really listen to what Jesus is saying. Uh, and equally that we discard what he is not saying here. Uh, I know this verse uh, can be taken uh, the wrong way. What is he saying when he talks about the pruning by the Father? In other words, what is meant here when he prunes the life of a Christian? Well, I guess many of us will have thought or read or heard or even said that what prunes a Christian is adversity. Uh, you know, you go through a hard time and you're told, well, yep, that's the father pruning you. You know, you go through the absolute worst of times. And that's seen as God's pruning so that you can bear more fruit. Now, I have to say, no. No. Now, now, that process might happen. I mean, through the grace of God, we can come through truly terrible times. And yet, because we come through it with him, uh, we can find ourselves more able to bear fruit. Uh, however, that is not what Jesus says here. That is not what he is describing when it comes to the pruning and cleaning of the branches. Now, I don't claim to be some sort of uh, horticultural expert. Uh, but even I know that in living branches, the ones that are bearing fruit, well, other things can grow there too. Uh, other stems can grow and even grow quite quickly uh, that will never bear fruit. Uh, there are stems that grow, but instead of fruit, they only ever really harden. 
So the vine dresser comes along uh, and with great care, great precision, skill, knowledge, snips away or cleans away the stuff that is not going to produce. Take away the stuff that will just simply sap away the strength of the branch. So when it comes to us, what's going to strip out the dead wood? The unproductive, non-fruit-bearing parts of us so that fruit can grow. What is going to do that? Well, Jesus tells us. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. When it comes to the pruning, when it comes to the cleaning by the Father, Jesus says to his disciples, already you are clean. And how was this accomplished? Was it through great adversity? No, they've got that to come. Was it because God had put you through the hard times that you were pruned and cleaned? No, not according to Jesus. According to Jesus, it was because of the word that I have spoken to you. So what cleans the life of the branch? What strips out the dead wood? What removes the unproductive growth that takes away our energies? What intervenes so that the good stuff can emerge? What is it? What can do that? Well, according to Jesus, it's the word of God. Uh, For us, that means the Bible. It is the text heard and read and listened to and taken to heart and and carried out and obeyed. The word of God able to challenge us and see that hardened dead wood removed. The, The cleaning talked about here can be seen when the word of God triumphs over our will. When we would sit in the throne of our hearts and direct us in all the wrong ways. Uh, Seen when the word of God is victorious over our most self-destructive tendencies, our desire to go the wrong way. It is evident when the word of God helps us, when we are tempted so that we can say no. It is the word of God that is supposed to be directing our paths towards what is fruitful. The word of God stripping away the unproductive tendencies. It's the word of God that is snipping away at everything that would get in the way and stopping you from being what you are called to be. It's the word of God that cleans disciples. Adversity is not going to do that. Adversity can make you cynical. Adversity can make you weary. Adversity can make you bitter. Adversity can do all sorts of things to a believer. But the word of God cleans us. Adversities might make us more fruitful. It might not. The word of God will. When you receive it, when you accept it, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, allow it to change you. Now, this is important because the true vine looks to us to be these true branches. And that means to be fruitful. However, the fruit is not a product of our hard work. Uh, It's not a reward for our good efforts. The fruit can only be produced when the branch is part of the vine. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, uh, before going further, it may be that we find the concept of us abiding in him and he in us slightly confusing. Uh, How can we do both, we may ask? 
But I remember uh, an illustration uh, that I was shown as a boy as I was out in a fishing boat with my dad, uh, and he explained this idea. To make the point, he threw a creel uh, overboard, uh, which is what we were there to do. But as he did it, he asked me, so um, where's the creel? And I said, well, it's in the sea. Yeah. Where you put it? It's in the sea. And so, so far correct, he kind of nods and goes, okay. And he goes, but where is the sea? And in part, the sea was in the creel, uh, as much as it was uh, outside, as it were. You know, it, it was both in and out of the creel. The creel was in the sea, but the sea was inside the creel. And if we think of Christ as the sea and ourselves as the creel, we find that as we throw ourselves in, into him, we abide in this ocean. But he is also within us. He abides in us. And, uh, you know, that's why he says that nothing can be done uh, uh, without him. And this is something that Jesus repeats in the next verse, in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is so important. Uh, the fruit that is produced is down to what Christ does in us. The light that shines to the nations through us is a light that we reflect, his light. The responsibility of the branch is to be firmly attached to the vine, to have the life flow into us, to have the word of God strip away the dead wood, and then to produce the fruit that God is looking for. When we hear the word of God, we should find the deadwood being stripped away. We should see growth being stimulated. We are to receive, we are to listen, and we are to allow the word of God to mould us in order to have these fruitful lives. To see us become a better example of God working in our lives. However, I need to come back to this point. It's very important that all of these things are in order for us to bear fruit. The fruit itself is what we do. It's how we act towards each other. Uh, and uh, just as that purpose given to Israel, to have the world see the fruit. In fact, that goes far as to say that we are to measure the fruit in the impact that we have in the lives around us. The extent to which Christ is evident in our lives, even to those who have no thought of Christ in their head or space for him in their lives. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Uh, you know, this is why he, he, he does say that and, and it echoes John 13, uh, that earlier text, um, when he said, uh, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, also uh, you are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And love, and there in particular, love one for another, is the core of the commandments. It's the core of the commandments that Jesus gives his disciples. And so as we abide in Christ, we are saved by his love, changed by his love, and living in his love, we then bear fruit, which is to love one another. And to have love affect how we act. As I said at the outset, there are a number of Old Testament texts that take up the theme of, of good fruit. And 
One of them is found in Ezekiel 47. Uh, in that text, we have a slightly different image. Uh, in that vision uh, uh, by the prophet, uh, Christ is depicted as a, a life-giving river. And it's a river uh, that cannot be stopped. It changes a, a desert land of death into a vibrant paradise. But in that image, the people of God are depicted as trees that grow on the riverbanks, growing in the strength drawn from the water and producing good fruit. However, there it is It is made very explicit that the fruit that they produce is not for themselves. It is to provide fruit for the world. And they are to grow leaves that were used to heal the wounds of the world. The point is that when we produce the fruit of love, it is not for ourselves. It is instead an outflow of the love of Christ. And it is to be so radically different from anything out there that the world has to see it and think, There is something there. There is someone there that makes a difference. I want to know this God. So in conclusion, Jesus as the true vine is the means of life. He is the one that poured out love on us that we might be saved and so that we might be changed and so that we might show that love to each other and as a witness to the world. All of which means that Our job is to be firmly rooted in him as branches to the vine. We need to abide in him and him in us. Uh, With the life of the vine in us, we can produce the fruit. It means that, it also means that what we're doing right now, uh, wherever you are, uh, you know, gathering to listen to God's word, is done so so that we might be changed. You don't sit there right now uh, simply because it's a a good thing to do or the thing that you feel you should do. You shouldn't be sitting there right now thinking, oh, well, there's some more knowledge that I've accrued. This is in order for us to be changed, in order to be pruned and cleaned. We are to grow in love for each other, to receive afresh the ability to love each other, the ability to produce and bear that fruit But ultimately, each of us, having been cleaned by the word, uh, having been made fruitful in Christ, each of us go ready to bear fruit, ready to act in love towards each other through this week and the ones to come and to see that love as a witness to the world. So let me encourage you then, go and bear that fruit. Amen.